as we kick off another episode of the Mentor Roundtable. I'm going to give a big shout out to our sponsors, Gaggle. They've been a huge supporter of our program, our mission, our vision to continue to support educators each and every day. Check out Gaggle at www.gaggle.net. They are a real-time safety tool that ensures the safety and well-being of your students on their school-issued email and drive accounts. Again, thank you, Gaggle, for all your support, and another mentor table is kicking off right now. But you gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down, hey, you gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down, hey, I know it's hard, no, it's hard to remember sometimes, but you gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down. Right, so we are back after a week off. So it's great to see some of you jump on. Emily just finished um, finished up her dinner. What'd you have tonight? Anything good? I made some kale soup, so it's good. All right, I would. Well, you can put that in your good bucket. I don't know where that would go. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big soup person, so it was okay. great. <laughs> it was. It wasn't the soup half of that that was. Um, I know. Okay. Big vegetable person too. <laughs> okay. Uh, awesome. Um, <laughs> and and Carrie, Melissa, how have you been for? Haven't seen you in a bit. I'm good. I'm good. Any exciting things happen in the last two weeks? Mm, no, no. You know, just it's, things have changed just in terms of like the energy in my classroom. You know, um, there's a little bit of we're getting a little bit more comfortable with each other than even beyond like how comfortable we usually are. I think it's just because we've been together for so long through so much. So there's some of gauging that, but then also just really into a nice routine of things. Like we finally have hit our stride with some consistency and things like that. So that's always a good feeling. Okay. And, and Emily, you, we just, uh, you just shared with us before we went live that you um, find out Fridays at two, uh, what your week is going to be the, the week after. How's that been yeah. for you? What are you next week? What are you tomorrow? Uh, still remote. So we'll be remote for this next week. So yes, we find out in the afternoon every Friday what will be for a week. So we'll have like all of our electronic assignments assigned, which is good because half of my kids are online, but then we have to rush in and print out papers and get things ready if we do go in person. But hopefully we'll get a little more warning if they're planning on sending us in. Gotcha. So, and Melissa, you are remote all year, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting, and I know we have uh, some things we'll jump into, but it's interesting when, Carrie, you talked about stamina, and Melissa, you, your students are the same all year. How do you think that's been impacting them knowing that they've been full all year? Because truth be told, anyone who's heard me speak early in the year, that was one of the things I said is, let's go remote for a long period of time so that we can build up consistency. Um, and. I mean, are we seeing a shift where that has been a positive that your kids have been fully remote all year? Because there isn't the in and out. Like Emily's kids don't know what's happening. Yeah, I think it's a twofold. I think it's safety, consistent, but I do think it takes its toll on not seeing each other face-to-face, -face, not having that social aspect. Uh, just the, like I had mentioned, you know, every single week, taking advantage of or we take for granted those when the kids get there in the morning, how they visit with each other and they put their backpacks and they just talk. They don't get that. I mean, right. we can zoom and I give them time, but it's those little things and it adds up. So I think it's twofold. Gotcha. 
Um, so one of the things we'll jump into tonight, especially talking about, and, and this, who knows, could happen to you, Emily, in, in, in a few weeks or not. This is the time when uh, principal openings are, open, are, are starting to pop up. There was six superintendents openings posted in Massachusetts just this week. So there's, there's a lot of, of change in leadership. And this came to us from, from one of our teammates, obviously with the uh, changing of leadership in, in our country. How does that impact students? How does that impact faculty? What are the perceptions? And a couple other things we talk about is how that, when a student might come into this, the class who might not be there, any kind, kind of changes. So I guess I'll ask the, the three of you, have you gone through any leadership changes in, in your profession? I know Emily, you're incredibly new, but you actually, I think, switched schools from the beginning of the year. That or was actually Molly, my Molly yes. did that. Okay, you yeah. stayed in because you two bounced around for a little bit grade levels or whatever. So yes, yeah. Um, so Carrie, Melissa, have you experienced that shift in, in, in schools like our country's shifting right now? Well, I'm at a different school. So it has, I mean, we gave parents the choice to go virtual and in itself, it's own little school. So we do have a principal and she is amazing. She is completely completely advocates for us. She has given grace since the beginning. She's trying to navigate too. So she's very real and transparent. And it's just, for me, it's been a positive experience and the kids too. So. And before this year, did you work for the same leader for a long period of time? Yeah. 22 okay. years. Wow. A whole other episode, so <laughs> I'm going to plead the fifth on that. But okay, the, fair the, point. The fair. Principal for all that time, though, Melissa? Yeah, my first year, I subbed for a year, and then my first year was in Islamic and Arabic school. Um, and then after that, I got a job at the school I had been for 22 years. Oh, wow. How about you, Carrie? So I've been, I student taught at the school that I'm at, and then I taught, I taught at a different school for one year and then came back. And so I've been there at, at the school that I'm at now for 20 years. And we've had, we've had lots of leadership changes. Um, some of them positive and some of them not. Um, I remember when I first came in to work, I thought we had a principal that, you know, went through to her retirement. And that was nice to have, to see how that feels to have somebody who has kind of made the school their own, you know, and really has a lot of buy-in and what they want um, the school to be. It's also interesting coming in to a school that a principal has been at for a long time and to see the dynamics with the um, staff, the ones that have been there for a long time with that principal. There's a lot of um, interesting connections that happen with that. And then being new and on the outside can be um, an interesting feeling. I've had principals that have come in. We had a string of principals that would come in. We'd have a different one each year. I think it happened for oh, two wow. That is super tough. Like that takes a huge toll on a on a on a, on a building. Um, and then we've had principals that have come in and you know um, seemed really positive, like they wanted to make changes, and then they were they were gone. You know, it's it's really um, interesting how much power leadership has in a building to um, create trust and to build relationships. And um, it's interesting to see, um, I don't know that principals that leave do it on purpose, but the ones that stay and stick around always feel like they're, am I gonna drink the Kool-Aid, right? And so that's what started to happen, right? You know, a new principal come in, they'd have all these changes they wanted to do. And after a certain time, you kind of lose trust, right? 
Um, but I've been lucky enough to now be um, to have a wonderful principal this year and, and, and also had a string of a couple of really good ones where they came in and really made good changes and um, listened to the staff and got to know the staff. Um, and, um, and so right now we're in a really, really good place. But I, it's just, it was interesting to see through the 20 years just, um, you know, how much damage can be done to trust or um, people's, people's personalities and what we wanna do for change. Um, my building has a lot of really strong personalities, which can be hard for um, some admin to, to manage. Um, but it's all, for me, it was always interesting to see how much, um, I don't know how much trust it, how much trust our leadership really has has from us, and how much of a privilege that really is for them. You know. Yeah. No. I think that that's important. I think one of the things maybe we kind of shift into is when there is that difference, even if you've worked for a principal for twenty years or, or if it's new, when you see things different. And I think um, I know for myself, which I was thinking while you were all talking, I've actually had you know I was principal and. and two different districts and then in a district leadership position and two others, so four essentially spots since I love teaching. And I've never had a superintendent change. However, it doesn't mean along the way there wasn't conflict or differences of opinion. Like I know in my first, um, in my first role, I worked for a superintendent who essentially wanted us to all be her minions. And I was at the time 34 years old and I didn't, I was like, yes, I'll follow you anywhere. And, and, and it, once you started to have your own ideas, it was like, whoa, I'll back up. Um, and then I went and worked in Natick and it was an awesome experience. And they pushed you to be, uh, to, to reach your full potential. Had you go to events? That's why I went to Boston College because they pushed me to get better. And then in my next stop was in a toxic environment where the superintendent was like, I'm the king, nobody mess with me. And if you have any aspirations, keep them to yourself. And I think, and having that is, is, is difficult, like you said, creates that, that toxicity, no matter how long you're there. You know, if I stayed there 20 years, it'd be the same. And I think that's something for, for Emily and, and our new folks listening. How do you handle conflict when you have kind of your own drive and your own ideas and maybe they don't mesh with, you know, you said sometimes the buildings have a personality or sometimes a principal has a way that they like it. They just want you to, you know, work on worksheets and spreadsheets. And, and, and I see Melissa out there doing, I mean, the two of you, well, on my screen on the left, Carrie and, and Melissa, who are incredibly creative. If that's not something the leader's invested in, where do you go with that? Like, what are some strategies you can share with, with Emily when there is possible conflicts that like, and it doesn't have to be the principal, or maybe there's other teachers, like a different teacher in that grade or somebody else who, like, who are you? You're the new girl. Like, we don't do it like that. Um, I mean, I guess my, my in my experience, whenever things start to become toxic, it feels kind of um, refreshing and, and fun at first because you get to withdraw into your classroom and do whatever you want to do and nobody checks on you. And so at first it feels very freeing and, um, and empowering because you have this classroom that now nobody's gonna come in and tell you what to do so you can take care of things in yourself. But what I've learned is that, that, um, that, that you know, after about a year of that kind of lone rangering, um, I, I don't even know where that word came from, but um, happens, <laughs> it gets really lonely really fast and you start to realize that you need to have 
um, people around you that you can go to and talk to and lean on. And so I, I guess I would say as a, as a first year teacher, surround yourself with people who have similar mindsets that you have so that you can go to them and talk to them. And when you have that crazy idea that they, you want to take back to your classroom, they tell you, yeah, go ahead and try it rather than, you know, um, you know, kind of squashing your ideas. Um, so that's, I just know that um, trying to do education on your own is never, is never a good idea. You always need your people, you know, um, you're always better together, whether, whether, it, you know, no matter how strong of a teacher you think you are. Have you seen any of that, uh, Emily? And I know it's hard to talk about your current situation, maybe when you were in class or something different, like when there was that struggle, like what are some things that you, that you would do? Um, well, my school is actually really wonderful and my team teacher is another second year teacher. And so we're kind of in it together, which is really cool. So we have, we're both like trading our students back and forth. And I think that makes me feel really comfortable having another um, early teacher because we, both get to just ask each other those silly questions without mm -hmm. feeling like we should be embarrassed because we don't know them. Um, but my administration, my other third grade team is wonderful. Um, so I don't really have that experience there, but I do remember sometimes in some of my early student teachings, I would have schools that clearly did not communicate or we did this one experience where we hopped around from like every time we visited, we went to a new classroom to be able to observe all sorts of things mm -hmm. rather than saying with one class and like the styles were so different in every single room like I, it felt like it was like a different school and I didn't really love that kind of environment like it's kind of nice to see a flow with some I don't know some similarities between the teachers and everything but so far I'm lucky but I do have a one-year contract so I don't know where I will be next year hopefully at the same school but I don't know um, so that will be interesting to think about for next year and making sure I'm monitoring my environment because it's definitely a scary thought when you're new and you don't really fit in so just back over a sec did you say you have a one-year contract meaning yeah you um, don't so have a secure job for next year all yeah. year all what all kids who come out of college have a one year it yeah, all is because of like covid so it's on there's a lot of teachers hired one extra for each grade in our school on okay so that's good Okay, because so, if you were on the full, if you had the teacher contract, it wouldn't be like we'd have to chat after this, like because that's not. No, yes, yes. Okay. No, so you were hired yeah, as an additional very first part year of the, the COVID grant money. For COVID branch out. Yes. Gotcha. So okay. that's where my school's at. And we've talked about hoping that there are openings, but they just don't know because this is now they like split it for smaller numbers. So there's six third grade teachers. Right. Gotcha. Yes. So who knows okay. where I will be next year? <laughs> All right. Um, so it sounds like just to, I, I don't want to um, dive into each, if there was conflict at schools, let's, we'll flip it the other way. What has worked to, to alleviate some of that? Like what if, like I know for us when I was, God, I was a teacher a long time ago, but as a principal, one of the things that we tried to do is mix grade levels at staff meetings or have collaborative activities. So it wasn't just the second grade team always sits at this table and the, and the third grade team is over here, or we had sharing of ideas. One of the things that I did that um, I thought really had some legs in our school, one of our staff meetings, we broke up, you know, I was a K through four school. So we had essentially five grade levels that we had five groups. So there's one K, one first grade, one second, 
And when there was some toxic kind of like, oh, she's doing this or she's or he's doing that, that we broke up in a group of five and multiple groups of five. And you went to every classroom. And this was our staff meeting for a few weeks to say, let's go to each classroom for 20 minutes and share something, something good and something that, um, that you were proud of to start having those conversations because I was the, essentially, I was the person that shifted. And I took over for a real long-standing principal, a teacher in the building, and then a principal in that building. And then here trots this guy, like, here we go. And we're going to do this. And, and at the, I mean, this was 13, 14 years ago. I'm like, we're going to bring in Apple computers. We're going to do this. And I was like, whoa. So I was the shift that had different personalities. But so that was one way to start bringing everybody together is have those shared staff meetings and shared ideas. Um, what are things that have worked for, for you um, to, to build that kind of commonality when teachers have different ideas or different perspectives? Melissa, you were in a building for 20 years. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> um, and there's no way that for 20 years, everybody was singing and drinking the Kool-Aid of that principal. We won't get into it because I'm sure she was, or he, she, or he was fabulous. positives, right? So I'm not talking about drinking Kool-Aid. Okay. Um, so I would some say- Some things that helped bring people together, I guess. <laughs> there was um, <clears throat> a couple of instances where they had, for staff meetings, they had people in different rooms and you would go in and they would like highlight something that they could do. Um, it was great way for someone to feel important. And a lot of us didn't realize the app or the like idea that they were presenting. And, and so it was a win-win and build that build on the culture. Um, this year, I love, we do these, um, daily doses I think it's used to be in the beginning it was like like a lot and we were like whoa because you know we're virtual we're trying to get our stuff together it was a lot and then they backed off and now it's it's there's a couple of days where it's like um just putting us in breakout rooms and just talking that's uh, a topic and just like like we have had an amazing discussion last week and it was about the whole capital thing and mm -hmm. I was in a room with high school, middle school. Um, and then there was one elementary teacher and we got the conversation of, you know, you know, districts should really do things before it happens. It shouldn't be action oriented. This happens, so we have to do this. It should be right. prompted. It was just a really good discussion. So I think more of those would be much better than just an agenda. No, that makes, that makes a, lot of, a lot of sense for sure. Carrie, how about, how about you in, in some of the schools you've worked in? Um, I guess some of the things that I've enjoyed most that principals have brought to, um, to our building is, um, I mean, on the grants on the big scale of like overall building things is making sure you have a real good pulse on what the teachers, that everybody is on the same, um, uh, has the same goal and has the same thing in mind when they're all, when, you know, with the, with the, with the school. Um, getting everybody on board. Um, I think when we have principals come in and um, and they have a clear um, path that they want our school to go on, 
um, it, it can be really tricky for them to get buy-in. And so it's been fun to watch the ones that are really talented at doing that, do that. And then other people um, have been less successful, but making sure that everybody feels like they have a say in the direction the building's going, whether or not that principal knows where they want it to go or not. Right. Giving, giving everybody a feeling of having a say with some buy-in, you know, and getting our buy-in in it is always, is always really, really important. Um, I've really appreciated principals that truly do have an open door policy. Like you really can just come in their office whenever you want to and sit down and have a conversation with them. I think that's gotten easier for me as I've gotten to be a more experienced teacher, harder, you know, when I was younger. Um, I love a teacher who's present in the hallways that has time, if they have time to walk around or show up at team, I think, um, you know, we have a principal and two admin and they go to teams often. And I think it's important for them to be there to hear kids' names, to hear about um, the, what's happening in the teams. And that not only are they there to support the students, but they're there to support the teachers and they know they have a pulse on everything that's happening. Um, little things that I've really enjoyed. We have like a snack cart that this principal that I have this year just comes around um, days to deliver snacks, usually on a remote day for us. Um, something that I love is um, this current principal that I have? He has a um, a mini fridge and he has diet coke. I'm sure he right? does. He has it on purpose in the back of his office, so like you can come down there whenever you want to to get a diet coke or a sprite or whatever. But you have to walk through his office and like you know say hi and have a you know a quick conversation uh, with him like while that. you grab that drink. And I I just think that's just super clever. You know, I mean I've seen candy jars and things like that, but. Um, the Diet Coke is definitely my favorite. And then also it being in the back of his office, you know, so his door is always open when he's not meeting. And so you have to come through and say hi and, and he'll chat with you a little bit and then you can grab the Diet Coke and then leave. But I, I just feel like it's a clever little, it's a clever little yeah. time that I appreciate. Yeah, so one of the things I was just thinking besides obviously listening to, to both of you that it was, it seemed to be like our principals in our group throwing out this idea of like, let's talk about this principal shift in leadership. And, and they decided like, you know what though, you handle it. You, you talk with the teachers how that is. I don't see Craig or, or Dennis or sorry. So I'm going to take it down. I'm going to go down a little bit and, and, and talk about that because we have three of our amazing teachers here. What have you done when new kids come in? I know for our, um, in my district, because we have two cohorts and we have actually a cohort D, we actually have four cohorts because we have cohort C who's there all the time, and A and B who split, and then D who would be like students that went to Melissa's class, um, but we actually contract them, contract out. But they switch in between. Some people come back from all virtual, some people go to all virtual, some people are out for two weeks because you know COVID and coming back. How have you handled the transition this year? So yes, it's it's a change in a sense for, for students going from different cohorts or different models, or how are you welcoming back students um, into the current model you have? I don't have any new. None, you've been, so. Well, this is the thing, we are fully virtual and I have 10, there's 10 second grade classes. I had the highest number that stayed. I only had two left. So everyone else had like five or six new kids. I had none because I was the highest. I see. So you started high. Yeah. So basically we build the curriculum for this year. Really? While teaching. That's why I'm so. Um, so technically <laughs> what you I, so have, I didn't have to help build because I'm in the math group 
and it's me and another girl. She's like, please don't do that. And I go, I would never do that. So <laughs> technically I really didn't have to build because I have so many kids and there's like one guy who has like 15 kids. That's it. So how many do you have? Wow. Yeah. So I don't have any now. Emily, have you had any shift in or out? Um, yeah, so I have one group of students who's fully in person when we're actually at school. Right now, everyone's remote, but I have one group of kids who's fully in person and then one group of kids who's fully remote. And my classroom is the only fully remote classroom if we were to like start from day one of school. And so the tough thing for me was because I was the only remote room, any student who was quarantining had to come to my classroom. So it got to one day where I had 31 kids on my Zoom. Wow. I had kids from like all the other teachers having mine. And then I had to leave and then I had my 15 other kids after, but I'm just reading. So it's just repeating the subject. But um, that was tough because I had six or seven kids at like the height of our COVID outbreaks at school who we were still in person, but these students needed to be home. And that was tricky. And the way that we kind of solved that, because we knew that was a possibility. So I don't really know how it usually works um, in a school because this is my first year. I don't know if people right. usually do that, but my teachers, the other two ELA teachers and I, we like stay on the same day and like we plan. And so we're doing the same lesson every day with the same assignment. So like our rooms are identical, um, which is good. So that way the students aren't like ahead or behind if they have to pop into my room for just one day. And then, so then they're still on track when they go back in person. So that's one way that we kind of keep up with it is keeping on like a very strict schedule and making sure that we're doing the same things if there is a ton of that flip-flop, but yeah. Yeah, that's gotta be tricky. And Karen, do you work with small groups at, at a time or full classrooms? How does that? So I have 12 students on my caseload and I could have all, I have a couple, two, usually I have one or two classes during the year that I have all of them. And then it varies depending on what services they need and what they're gonna go out for. So I have a class, like I might have a class that's four, and I might have a class that's 12. So it, de it depends on their IEP goals and their IEP minutes, mm -hmm. and then also um, how the schedule lines up and everything. And how has that been with shifting in and out, with getting new kids, or have you had the same caseload all year? Yeah, so I've had, this, I've had the same caseload all year. Um, I actually get my students for three years. Um, we're wow. on, a, on a two year track now though, because there's another teacher that does my job. So I have the seventh and eighth graders and she has the sixth and seventh graders. Um, so I did get some new kids this year to, that were new to me. Um, and then every once in a while, we have a student that might need to transition out of my program to a more, um, a more restrictive environment just because of the nature of their needs. And so sometimes that happens. And then every once in a while, I'll get a student whose needs aren't being met in the resource program that needs to come to my class. And so um, any number of those things, we, I really just try to stay consistent. Even if a student's going to pop in in the middle of the year, I really don't change things up or um, make things extra special that they're there. I, I like to just kind of keep things kind of incognito and we just, we just keep going. And I've handled, I've tried to stay the same way when it comes to students being in person or having to go remote, you know, it's just business as usual. Like the changes, I try yeah. to keep changes not being, not being an impact, you know? So, so, so-and-so is home today. Well, we just go on with how things <laughs> are going, you know? Right. No. And I think it sounds very similar. Like you were saying, Emily, try the more consistency you have, that that's going to, to weed that familiarity and, and get kids 
moving forward. So I think that's that's incredibly important. It sounds similar to what you were saying with um, the leadership piece, the more consistent, the more visible, all those things are important. So one of the last, you know, last time we were together, um, you talked about the issues at the Capitol, then there was this leadership change that we've talked about. Did your kids talk, you know, cause I don't, I'm not in a classroom. Did your kids talk about it a lot? I know Emily and, and Melissa have younger students. Um, Carrie's are a little older. Did your kids bring it up? Was it something they've talked a lot about? I know a couple of school districts who wouldn't let their students watch the inauguration because they were worried. Like, how was that for you? How did the last week go? No issue. About it, we showed a little bit of it. It was fine. I mean, there wasn't any issues at all. Good, because you know, I heard, you know, I heard some places that that could have been or kids, you know, depending on the state or wherever, kids were talking about it or not. Carrie, how your kids are a little bit older. They are, and sometimes these topics can be complicated for some of from some of my students to grasp. Um, I don't teach social studies this year, or that's generally where we would handle this topic, um, but I have been sitting in on uh, one of them. Our district policy as a whole through historically is never to watch the inauguration on the day. So it wasn't like it was a special, like you can't watch it this day. It's mm -hmm. just been historically that way anyways. Um, but the, you know, some of the conversations were just about the more in terms of like how it related to the constitution and how you know the new president coming in and what the inauguration was as a process. Um, but I wasn't, I didn't really have a lot to talk about in my other classes because I don't, I, social studies is where we tend to talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, I think some of it's almost like it's, it's going to, for some of my students that I work with, I think sometimes it's like, so it's changing and we know how we felt about the previous president. And now we know there's a new guy, but let's wait and see what happens before there's more conversations about it. So sometimes things, actions have to happen before conversations can happen. Um, and I also think it just depends too on how comfortable each educator is with um, speaking in a very neutral way about how our country changes, you know? Um, so. Now, Emily, yours are obviously younger students. Did they bring that up? Did they even know about it? Like what, how was? Um, yeah, so my principal actually, so we send out, she sends out, sorry, my email is buzzing right now, if you can hear it. Um, my principal sends out a morning message every day to the whole school that will play for our kids, um, share the screen and play it. And at the end of that, at the end of the video on that day, she um, basically just opened it up and like explained in about two or three minutes, like what was going on in inauguration day, like what it was, how and like reasons why it was exciting with the first female vice president and like brought up all different kinds of details, which was really awesome because it kind of gave us the green light to bring it up in class, but it also brought it up for us. So my students, I don't know if they would have brought it up anyhow, but it already was an open discussion because of my principal's message. So then I just opened the floor for them to have some questions and we discussed it for a couple of minutes, but it was a nice peaceful way for it to be introduced to the class, which is cool. Nice, oh, that's yeah. awesome. Um, so we have a couple more minutes left. What's coming up for you this week? Anything exciting? Anything that you're, uh, or any of you that you're really like proud of, you want to share some great ideas before we wrap up? What do we got coming up? I have assessing, so it's not fun. How's that going? Like, how does that working remotely? We haven't, we haven't gone that direction yet. So how being a fully remote teacher, how is... We're assessing remotely. We give the star 
Right. So we do do's are awesome. This is just a conversation. Just tell me, do my, how, how can I do my job? What? <laughs> Help me do my job because as the director of curriculum instruction and assessment, I'm going to eventually have to do the STAR assessment online. So fill me in. How have we you been do, doing that? We do the STAR. They have to take it online. I give the big spiel. They go off camera. They're muted, but they stay on Zoom until they're done. Then they wave bye and they get off. Don't know how accurate it is because I think parents help, even though you might say, please don't help. Uh, so I got this all this week. And then the next Monday, I have the writing assessment where I have them in small groups and they have 45 minutes to do their personal narrative. Wow. And then I'm trying to create a math assessment because I have conferences coming or student-led conferences coming up. So I gotta, I'm trying to get the math assessment. However, not this week, but the next week, I'm super excited because we have a hundred day, which okay. I, it's gonna what are you be gonna a do glow for that? day. So that's gonna be fun. And then we have a Super Bowl. Did you say glow day? It's a hundred day, but I have themes for my days. Right, so did you say glow? Glow, yeah. They're oh, gonna get glow sticks and all this stuff. I do drop offs once a month. So every month the kids get a brand new book and then they get okay. stuff for the month. I so hundred day is gonna be great. a glow day. World Read Aloud day, they're gonna get a new book and I'm gonna wrap it up. Um, and they're gonna have to make a fort and then I'm gonna read the book in our forts over Zoom. Nice. And then we're gonna do Super Bowl Day. Okay, so that'll be fun. So we got to go through the crap before we can get the fun stuff. Okay, so minus this week. Then next week, if I had asked you a week from today, you'd be like, Glow yeah, days coming I don't out like assessments. I don't like. I, I don't know. Any, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm in that. Oh, there's a lot of people that are data driven and like all that stuff. That's not me. Well, I do rely on the the information from the from the assessments, but I think, yes, going into a week of STAR online is not one that I'd be like, yes, this is gonna be the week, this is it. Uh, so Emily, you're back to full remote next week. So what is, what is something you're looking forward to or excited? Um, honestly, I have assessing to do as wow, well. Wow, this must, well, it's the middle of the year. Quarter end. Yeah. So we have like an online reading program. So they take an assessment that they just log on to and it brings them through a course of questions. Which and all one that. is it? Um, we use into reading program. This, I don't I even heard of that. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a new program and it's the first year that our school's using it. So I don't know. It's kind of like we're trying it out. But so they did that on Thursday and Friday. And then last week we had a PD where they asked us to do a brand new assessment as well. So we're doing, we're starting Dibbles tomorrow. And so we'll be assessing all of those kids. So it'll probably take me most of the week to get through like all 35 of my kids to like give them that assessment. Mm -hmm. But when they're not doing that, pretty exciting. It is animal week or like this like next unit is all about animal behaviors. And so in their free time, which okay. I'll a lot of because I'll be assessing a lot of the day, um, <laughs> they're working with a partner till they get to like research whatever animal they want. It's like a little busy work project for them to do, which is fun. And they're super pumped. It's all about animals. It's exciting. That's Make good. sure you check out Skype a scientist because you could put animals on there and they could Skype a scientist all about animals and behaviors. Oh. And Skype. Go on Twitter, go to Skype uh -huh. a scientist. We do it every year, probably twice a year. Um, and they'll hook you up. Cool. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Let the other people hook you up. Thank you. 
Carrie, are you assessing next week? No, I've done, <laughs> I, my assessments are complete. I, I just, I, the assessments that I do are for IEP goal updates. Right. But, um, and I, I do appreciate data, but I also think that we can, we can get data in small parts that are very efficient ways to do it rather than, you know, the big tests are always interesting um, in terms of data. And so I have, for me personally, I have grades that are due and then I have IEP goal updates that I have um, that are due. And then as for students, um, we just ended quarter two, we're gonna be entering into quarter three. Um, and we, we're just gonna keep going with what we're on. I don't end units just because it's a quarter. We just, you know, if we're not done with it, keep we keep going. So it'll be business as usual for, for us in terms of curriculum wise. Um, some fun stuff, I guess, for us is some of the students I have have like a third dose of ELA. So we are really focused on writing and they've been wanting some just some different things. And so for me, creating some choice opportunities for them that also um, are very consistent. And so that's been fun to see using some tools that the speech pathologist has um, brings into my classroom to help build the, the language skills and then building those into writing and but also making choice and having some fun with that. That's been um, a new thing for me. No, I think that's that's awesome. And I think what you know what I take from all of all of what you said is yes, the assessment's going to be part of it, and yes, we're going to have to plow through it, get through it, one of those. But to, you know, especially in this environment, to keep those activities, the glow days, the animal studies, the Skype of scientists, the the projects that you're working on, Carrie, um, I think that's critically important. And just to kind of loop back to the to where we started is that we're all gonna have different perceptions, perspectives on that. You said some people are really into the assessment, some people aren't. And, and just to take that into consideration um, as we go through, especially for the two of you who are going through assessments this week um, and students as well, like how do they feel about it? Are the parents helping? What's gonna result? Because that's what we finished as well. And the real big challenge last week was, do we send these letters home because the assessments don't look like they did last year? And, you know, because we've been doing star assessment um, in the district for a while, but last year we really revamped what it looked like and, and, and put some more strict markers on it so we could have some growth data. So last year at this time when we did the mid-year, they essentially were in school five days, traditional school, and now they're not. And, and the, the letters that are going to go home, we're really concerned about because the state expectations didn't slow down. They're supposed to be at the same mid-year. And um, we're like at the 30% proficient versus like the 60, 65 that we were last year. So it's, um, it's a concern to send that home too. So I think having those conversations with families and seeing, you know, I'm fighting the different perspectives of like, we need to do more, we need to this. It's like, well, we need to remember they were in front of people almost 60% less this year if, because we're only in school two every two days. That, that makes a big difference. Not saying that they shouldn't have growth and you know, looking at how students are growing. So it's definitely that perspective of, of where you're coming from. And I think one thing I'll say to everybody and people watching or watch back, just have patience and listen because everybody is stooped in, in emotion as, as well. So I think all of that is a challenge. Focus on having more glow days, more animal studies, more fun things within, within your schools because we are getting into kind of that lull, like before we came on or right after Carrie was saying, we're just getting into a rhythm, like we're, we're, we're getting into our, our pace. So I think we have to keep, keep continuing that, so. Well, it is 
9.15, and I don't want to keep you long because we went an hour plus the last time. So thank you, four of you, for coming on. I can't wait to hear the fun things when you when get to them. So stay strong this week through the assessments, and Carrie, have a great week as well. Thank you. Thank you. All right, have a great Sunday night. Emily, get to all those emails, would you? <laughs> no, there's another one. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, have a good one. Say what you need to say. 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 Say what you need to say.